Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Rafael Kalab on the boldness uh, on the 19th of August. Now, is that the boldness is a show about disability, standing up for your rights of disability rather than waiting for some well-meaning person to give them to you. On tonight's show, we're talking about a very sensitive issue. It is about domestic violence. There's an exhibition up in Ballarat called Silent Tears. And our guest tonight will be Belinda Mason, Margaret Coppolino, Dada Neerham and Vicky Wilkinson. And I think we might have uh, Belinda on the phone right now. Hi. How are you doing, Belinda? Good, thanks. Now, can you please tell us about the Silent Tears exhibition? Um, The exhibition um, is about uh, violence against women with disability and women who have acquired their disability as a result of violence. Right. And when does the exhibition start? It opens on the 22nd on Saturday, and it runs for um, a month. It closes on the 20th of September. Now, is that with uh, disabilities about being acquired or maybe being born with it, how does a person acquire a disability, Belinda? Um, In this exhibition, they've acquired their disability as a result of violence. Right, and... How does, what forms does violence take, Belinda? Um, the exhibition actually shows us a variety of different forms of violence. We, we were led by um, Carolyn Cromada's definition of violence against women with disabilities, which includes, of course, domestic violence. It also includes um, uh, sexual abuse, which uh, has, has impacted quite a few of the participants um, in institutional settings and at home. Um, and also uh, forced sterilisation of women with disability, the, the institutionalisation and neglect of women, um, especially, um, I mean, Vicky has, Vicky can tell you her, her personal story in relation to that. Right. And now, course, you go. Gone. Now, Belinda, is that, I said, I think that you do a lot of photography. Um, do you use the images to portray um, what actually has happened? No, the the images, the exhibition's in three parts, so there's three artists, and Margarita has created a, a, um, a series of documentary images in, in a photojournalistic approach, taking great consideration in how much of the person wants to reveal of their identity. But those images create a, a strong background of the person um, and... And gives you a feel that they are, you know, everyday people that you can connect quite easily to. The next section of the exhibition are the, are, is the series that I've done, which is the moment of, which is that moment of those silent tears, the turning point, that, that turning point in your life. So, uh, or in their lives, well, anybody's life actually. We, I think we all know those turning points. Um, but it's particularly a difficult point if you're a, a woman with a disability 
who's experiencing violence or acquired a disability as a result. So all of those images are photographed um, uh, using using water and they are suspended images that are transparent hanging within the gallery space. And the last piece is a, is a video piece of all of the women, um, very, very short, succinct interviews with with the women um, telling telling their story. How did the exhibition Silent Tears, how did, was the origins of the name? I think it's... Um, I think it's actually just born from the experiences of the participants and um, and one of the original participants who inspired the work, um, who um, who experienced um, whose son was um, uh, murdered in front of her. She's actually anonymous in the exhibition, um, but she does tell her story. So you can hear her speak and you can you can read her story that she's. Um, but she's given the given the text. The text. She just doesn't want her identity there, um, and she's being photographed as well. And so, because she wanted only a level of her her identity revealed, she's she's discernible within the image. So each person has defined how much um, they want to be revealed or identified. So some people have only got first names. Some have pseudonyms. Some actually have their real name, and um, and others are completely anonymous. Right. Uh, now, Belinda, is Silent Tears part of a national campaign or an international campaign against, as a campaign against violence against women? Um, I think it's actually just creating the voice from the women who have had these experiences um, and it's to show the diversity of this experience and, um, and these, the images that are on show are um, part of the part of a national um, exhibition. Uh, there'll be a few more participants added along the way, and then um, I'm I'm working on a um, on an international component, and I've already tra- been travelling for that, which has been um, an amazing experience. And what are some of the places you travel to to gather information about this? Where have you been with it? Um, I've been to, of course, I've been to the states. Um, uh, looking at um, the Native American experience, and uh, in in particular, um, and to uh, Ecuador and to Mexico as well. So, um, and I'm going to um, Indonesia and Mexico, and uh, and Papua New Guinea. Right, and the silent tears. It's it, it sounds like it, it's about women being empowered um, to speak up against what has actually happened. Does that sound like a fair portrayal? Yes, it's, it's definitely... Well, I think you actually have to ask the participant how they feel about that, what it means, what it means to them, because um, uh, I think that's really, really key, their, their input and their response to that. And um, I think the community's response is also really critical once the, once the stories are told. Um, because that engagement is very, very important. And speaking of engagement, I believe that you might have Margaret Coppolino with you? Yes, yes, she's here. It's Margarita. Margarita? Now, Margarita, would you like to come to the phone? Yeah. Oh, um, she's just saying she's she's got a slight hearing problem 
and um, and she she she's um she said no, she's just pointing at me. <laughs> just pointing at you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. but well, I've got Dita next to me. Well, why don't we actually have a chat to Dita and um, hear a bit of the story? Okay. Now, hello, right. Dita. Uh, Dita, how are you doing? Good, good. Right now, can you tell us about your uh, role in the Silent Tears exhibition? Um, my role is to create. Um, so what I've done is I've created a video installation, and it sort of emerges you into the feeling and the psyche of the participant. And when you hear their story and see the footage that I've shot, there's a huge emotional connection to what's going on to them, and you have a idea and understand. A, a somewhat of an understanding of how they feel. Now, is it? What are some of the types of images that you've shot, Dita? Um, the footage. Um, sorry, it's just that there's there's such a large variety of how I've shot um, my footage. A lot of it dealing with water, so I've shot it at fifty frames per second allowing me to slow the footage down to make time seem like it's going, taking longer. And then I have the person doing certain actions of how their story relates to those actions that happen to their own experience. And I've also saturated the colour with a bit of blue and a bit of green. Okay, so I'm going to have a bit of a chat to you about a couple of things now. Dita? Now, yep. what is the significance of using water in the images? Water represents the tears that are not seen. They're cried in the shower. It's tears that no one sees. They're the tears that are hidden away. Right. And with um, people with a disability, uh, especially women with a disability who experience violence... How difficult is it for them to access help in the community? Sorry? How difficult is it for people with, uh, who have experienced violence, how difficult is it for them to access assistance in the community? Um, it's very difficult for people to gain access to people, uh, for people with disabilities. Um, there are a few networks like um, Women with Disabilities Australia and also People with Disabilities Australia um, support group. Um, yeah. Um, PWD is a support, support, support people with disabilities who have been affected by the um, Royal Commission into institution... Sorry. Um, institutional... Response um, to child sexual abuse. They are um, providing individual advocacy to those who are affected and can support you with um, deciding whether to participate and support you while you tell your story to the Royal Commission. So they're very, um, so PWD is, uh, PWDA is um, helping a lot of people. If you require, um, and if people require support, um, they can contact um, the National 
sexual abuse and domestic um, family violence um, counselling service, which is 1800 737 732. Right, and their website is www.1800respect.org.au. Yes. Now, why is it it important for uh, people to tell their stories if they've experienced violence? It's important. It's it's important for people to tell their story because then they don't feel alone. Yep, is that, and so by speaking out, that it maybe breaks a sense of isolation. Yeah. And. Yeah, and it encourages people to speak out about the issues of domestic violence and getting help. Yep, and. By people um, sharing their stories, does that can they, um, make some type of solidarity between people who experience violence? Or does it give them a sense of uh, relief knowing that they're not as isolated and it makes that... Yeah, it does both. Right, and with the... Uh, going back to the images that you were using, that I think you mentioned that tend to put a bit of blue and green into your work. Why did you choose blue and green to put through your work? Well, it's mainly blue and it's to 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 bring out the feeling and the intensity of what's happening in the footage. Hmm. I see. Yeah. Okay, and part of the, I think your story is that I think that you were part of an went to a festival of dangerous ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother and I, yeah. So right. we we did work for um, St James Ethics Centre, and they gave us the ability to have great opportunities of interviewing people from all over the world. Right, and where are some of the places that? Um, with like, with when you interviewed people, was it about violence when you um exp- with this um interviewing people around the world? It was all about it was it was from so it we interviewed people like Jermaine Greer, Dick Smith, um, John Howard. The the topics were related to the person and what their influences were on Australia or the world, not on just one topic. Right. Okay, so it was from a range of people. Correct. Yep. And is this the first time that you've been part of the Silent Tears Festival, Peter? Peter, I shouldn't say. Yes. That's the first time that you've been part of it? Yeah, th- th- um, this is the very first showing of Silent Tears in Australia or anywhere else in the world. Right now, have you got the contact details for Silent Tears? The website is um, the best way to get in contact. Right, and the website is www.silent... Uh, you don't need to do the www. It's just silenttears.com.au. Right, and uh, what are the opening times and the actual address? Um, just one second. 
number eight. Um, L-Y-D-I-A-R-D. Leonard Street North, Ballarat, Victoria. The Mining Exchange. Right. So, uh, for our listeners, the contact details for the Silent Tears exhibition is 8 Leonard Street, Ballarat at the Mining Exchange. And what are yes. the opening hours? Um, just one second. Nine till five. So it's open until nine. Is there an admission fee? No. Right. Well, is that for anyone who's experienced um, violence, is that we would encourage you, or has got an interest in exploring this topic further about domestic violence and how it affects women with disabilities, we would encourage you to go up to the Silent Tears exhibition at 8 Leonard Street, Ballarat, starting on the 22nd of August. And, and at um, 11am, there's a, um, on Sunday, there will be a um, artist talk. Right. And what are the artists going to, who are some of the artists are going to talk, please? So um, it will be Belinda, um, Margarita and I talking about the exhibition. Right. Okay, well, and you can come to the um, opening of the exhibition on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Right. Well, as I said, um, I wish you well with the Silent Tears exhibition. And that's all we have time for uh, tonight. And we'll be talking to Vicky Wilkinson very shortly about more about the stories about the Silent Tears exhibition. Thank you very much for your time. Belinda, we've been talking with Belinda Mason, uh, Dita Neerim, and also Margarita Coppolino. Thank you very much. Thank you. people out there in the radio world show some love to 3CR you know and if you're listening and enjoying the programs here man great radio station it is how how it was built by community and the community ownership and that's a powerful thing to have within community so show some love show some support and please subscribe from the north to the south to the east to the west let the baller take you home island style represent your soul to the flow love your set represent raise your pride to the sky love it like it's the best my power bring it back home Three CR, uh, the boldness. This is 8:55 a.m. Uh, we're talking about disability, about the Silent Tears exhibition, and we should have Vicky Wilkinson on the line. And I think we actually have her on the line starting right now. Um, good evening, Vicky. Hi. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Now, is that you're part of the Silent Tears exhibition? Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and what will you be doing at the Silent Tears exhibition, Vicky? Well, I'm part of the exhibition. Um, Belinda Mason, who you've just been speaking to, um, approached me to ask me whether I'd like to be involved with the exhibition. And so I agreed. I thought how, given the topic of Silent Tears, how this meant to me, and once I had worked out 
in myself what that meant for me. Um, then I said yes. And so um, Linda came down from Sydney and spent an afternoon with myself um, interviewing me and taking photographs and of what my passion, how I've learnt to um, communicate, how I've learnt to express myself outside words. So, so they photographed me painting and doing things like that. So it's been a privilege to be part of this exhibition, given the topic is um, so close to my heart. Right. Uh, how is the Silent Tears exhibition close to your heart? How has it affected you? Well, for me, when you first think of nursing homes, I've been in a nursing home, as you most likely aware, for four years with given no choices, nowhere else to go, and the only one in town where I was living would take me. Um, the silent tears really relate to the experiences that I had in the nursing home. I was there for 18 months and I had no expression of how to cope with this environment that I had been removed from the community into this foreign environment where people were screaming day and night and there were people in all stages of illness elderly people and I was a young person still am and I didn't know how to I didn't understand really what had happened and then I started to make sense of my experience there that just how abused that young people are when they're placed inappropriately in nursing homes there is a need for nursing homes for some young people who need to be there but for most of us we don't need to be there. We are we are so abused in that when they have diversional therapists that are put in the nursing homes to help us, they make no provision of funding for young people like myself to remain relevant in the community, really to be able to even go out. Your option was either to watch old war movies or you stay in bed and you don't go out at all because... I asked the management if they could take me for a walk to Macca's, which was five minutes away from the nursing home. And I was told, no, that takes the time away from the other residents, the elderly residents. So everything was no, and it just made that gap between where I'd come from and in the nursing home, you are just thrown away and the door's locked, locked on you. And it's the most... It's the most, one of the most, it's like you've almost been punched, but you have nothing in which to, to there's no one to go to, there's no one there that can help you to even advocate on your behalf. And it's that there's a, a travesty of young people in nursing homes, and the, when you experience things of bullying and neglect, it really puts you in a place where you really have to shut up and accept what's going to happen status quo. Either that or you you just forget about it and switch off life. Yeah. Or you do what I did after a number of years. I escaped. I ran away from the nursing home because I couldn't take it any longer. Of the Institutional abuse is very insidious and there is a need for processes, but not at the, not at the expense of a young person dying on the inside because there are no services. There are no aids to help you when you've got a disability. And the dis management's made the decision if you fall out of bed, 
you can you can stay on the floor longer because an elderly resident um, whose skin is thinner, they've got a higher priority to you, and yet you're a high and complex care resident, and they're a low care. And there's a real dichotomy between what is and what actually what what there should be, and what people believe there is, and what they what there actually is when you're living the experience. So there is it's rife in so many ways in nursing homes abuse. Uh, Vicky, how does was there any provision for for you to actually maybe exit a nursing home or no nothing. Absolutely nothing. I didn't even know there was an exit plan for you to leave nursing homes. I just got to the stage where I had just got married and my partner in the beginning wasn't allowed to stay in the nursing home. None of my friends was allowed to stay in the nursing home. Even though another elderly resident died, their families were allowed to stay in home. Young people weren't allowed to have them in the home. And I got to the stage that my once I got married and... I came back to the nursing home and life didn't change I, and there was still the same prejudices there. Nothing changed, but I just went, my husband just said, Vicky, you, uh, you've got to get out of there. And I was so institutionalised, I couldn't even see a way out. But he said, you've got to do one, go one second at a time. And when I left the nursing home the first day, because... I mean, I was institutionalised, but I had no idea I needed contact services. I needed to get people to help me. But I didn't even know that. I was so in the dark and consequently spent the first eight or nine months of of the nursing home in a very bleak and neglectful situation because I didn't have the services, I didn't have the, the medical equipment that I needed, but I had freedom. And I was prepared to compromise treatment for freedom because at last I could take time out and recover, grieve and recover from nursing home, the experience in there. How important is the grieving process? How healing is that? Well, the grieving process for me is absolutely essential because for me to go, I can't go forward until I deal with that because... In the nursing home, I had my mum, my sister, and a couple of friends come and visit me who were so regular. And over the course of my time there, in the one year, my mum died unexpectedly, my twin sister died unexpectedly, my friend returned overseas, and a couple came to see me, the wife died. And my support group was gone. I had not, there was no one visiting me, nobody. Well, that sounds like it would be very, very difficult. It sounds like um, were you just by yourself most of that time? Yes, I was. My, I was on my own most of the time. And in the nursing home, dying is part of every day in the nursing home. But for people like myself, it's not an everyday occurrence. So being allowed to grieve in a nursing home, the nurses are given a few days, they're allowed to go to the funeral, and then life goes on, someone else comes into that bedroom and they care for that person. But for me, that grief went really deep within inside me because they want, you can only give in a small time to grieve. And if you keep on grieving, you're told, you know, you've got depression or you might have challenging behaviours when you're exposed or when you might express your feelings, you're told you've got um, challenging behaviour. 
And so they go and apply to the federal government, the nursing home, to get more money to manage me with supposedly um, that type of behaviour. But sometimes it's just an expression of your grief. And if you can't in your own home, if it's called your home, express your grief, that might be two seconds of anger about something. We live in a really sad society, if that's the case. But the money that they receive, it, ne- it didn't do anything to improve my care. It wasn't used for my care. It, we just went in as part of the nursing home. So it seems my grief, I had to get out. Right, well, is it, Margaret, is it just coming up to the time where it actually is time to go, as much as I'd really like to talk to you for a little bit longer, but uh, Vicky uh, Wilkinson, it's one of the stories that you'll be able to uh, view at the Silent Tears exhibition at Ballarat. So thank you very much, Vicky, for your time. Thank you. OK, next up we have got uh, Tamil Voices uh, on 3CR. I'd like to say thank you very much to Michael Smith from the Fly Your Freak Flag uh, program uh, for panelling tonight, and we're leaving with a song from the Freewheeling Spirits called Super Mum. <laughs> 